Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome everyone. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Today I have a a very dear and special guest for you. You know, we're about to uh, finish up 2020. And I know for many of us, 2020 has been a challenging, difficult, transformational, intense year. But uh, my intention for the Soul Talk community and those of you listening is that we finish 2020 strong. And I couldn't think of anyone else uh, more qualified or inspirational to help you finish 2020, uh, hopefully on a high note, and prepare yourself for 2021 uh, than my guest today, founder of the Billion Dollar Chicken Soup of the Soul Publishing Empire. I mean, he really needs no introduction, but if you haven't read his books, The Success Principles, Power of Focus, Aladdin Factor, Dare to Win, list goes on, sold over 500 million books worldwide and probably counting. Uh, uh, I'm really excited to bring to you today uh, a mentor, a dear friend and inspiration, the one and only Jack Kenfield. Jack, welcome to Soul Talk. Thank you, Kurt. It's great to have you on. I've been looking forward to, to, to chatting with you and rapping with you. I have so many questions about, uh, you know, really what it is to create a vision for 2021, and uh, but before we dive into that, I would ju- I'm just curious in terms of your perspective, in terms of 2020, how it's been for you. Uh, also, just what's your perspective on what's been happening in this last year? So I think a lot of us have been going through so many challenges uh, and dealing with the changes of 2020. How do you see 2020 from a spiritual perspective, an evolutionary perspective? Like, give us some context and understanding for how you perceive this year. That I, th- I think would be a great place to start. Well, first of all, from a humorous perspective, I saw a, a, a slide the other day that said, worst purchase I ever made, my 2020 planner. <laughs> 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 and so I think that, you know, it just, it's some like the, the, you know, God, if you will, just pulled the rug out from underneath all of us. Right. And yeah. uh, sent us to our room for a timeout, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so from a, from a spiritual perspective, I think that um, it, it was like that, that, you know, we've been living a very uh, fast paced, uh, somewhat greedy, not uh, in touch with the uh, natural uh, forces of nature. You know, we've been destroying the environment. We've been uh, racially unaware and, and unjust. And so the Black Lives Matter movement, along with the ecological disasters that are occurring around the world, the political strife that's occurring, and um, also the economic challenges that the pandemic brought on. Uh, None of that, you know, I I think most people weren't paying attention to a lot of things that needed to be paid attention to. A lot of people are working from home right now, and they're beginning to think, you know, hey, I like this better than 
you know, traveling an hour in both directions to get to work, polluting the environment. I'm spending more time with my kids. I have more time for exercise and meditation and more time to think about what do I really want to do? A lot of people are starting to wonder, are they really happy in the job they've had, you know, uh, and they're thinking about their habits and their behavior and the, the connections with their family. You know, people are spending more time. You know, I've been home. I've only left my house. This is hard to believe, but I've only left my house about six times since March. Wow, six yeah. times. Six times, and uh, and and five of those were in Santa Barbara, and I went to Los Angeles once. I've not been in an airport. I've not been in a hotel room running a workshop. March, uh, I w- I spent the whole month of February in India at an Ayurvedic healing center, uh, working on you know create transitioning to a plant-based diet and uh, getting lots of uh, detoxing and all that kind of stuff for health and longevity. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got home, we were running in the middle of March, a workshop for uh, people that want to be best-selling authors. One of the things I do. Mm -hmm. And we had about 20 people in a hotel room in Santa Barbara where I live. And the police came in and said, you have one hour to disperse. You may not be meeting here anymore. The government has shut it down. Wow. So l- literally, we were fortunate enough to have a friend with a large living room. We went over to their place and finished the workshop. But that was the end of live trainings, which is what I specialize in. I teach people yeah. how to conduct experiential, live, powerful trainings, transformational trainings. So we had to pivot to online. And we had, we had $800,000 in deposits for trainings, which we couldn't deliver. And we had spent some of that money. As you know, you take your money for a seminar, you put deposits on hotels and all that. So we had to very, very quickly convince a lot of people that we could deliver the same thing online. Mm-hmm. Most people agreed to that. We probably had a return about 200000 And um, so it was like a year of, of major shifting. I think we learned a couple of things. You know, a lot of people talk about the new normal. We talk about the new better. Because mm-hmm. what I've discovered is that what's going on in the world right now and what we're experiencing is we're actually having better results teaching online than we were when we were teaching in person. Because we're doing in person, they're short two and a half day, five day seminars. People go back to their life and very quickly their environment takes back over and most of what they learn, they don't keep applying. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're doing now these uh, six, uh, you know, four month and six month ongoing courses that are like two hours every two weeks or two hours every month with a lot of engagement in between, daily challenges, Facebook uh, groups that are meeting together, mastermind groups, accountability partners, stretches. We're, we're gamifying some of it so people can win prizes. People are doing the work and, uh, and they're getting breakthrough results. I mean, doubling their income in four months, mm-hmm. doubling their amount of Facebook uh, followers from 100,000 to 200,000. Things that normally would take a year or two to do, they're doing very quickly. We had one artist who uh, had never sold, not an artist, but an art dealer, never sold a million dollar piece of art before. Wanted to do it for his whole life. Within that four month period, got in touch with the limiting beliefs that were keeping him from reaching out to the really wealthy who can afford to buy him. And he sold his first million dollar piece of art. He's now uh, in negotiations for a $10 million Degas that he's about to, his, his um, commission alone will be like, you know, almost a million dollars. So the reality is these are the kind of breakthroughs that people are having. So while at first it was like, oh, bummer, we can't do what I love to do. I miss the hugs. I miss the chanting and the meditations alive and all that stuff. <laughs> but the reality is we're having more impact and I'm not have to leave home. Mm-hmm. I have not been home for nine months in a row, almost 10 months now. 
I think my whole life, let alone, you know, I mean, literally, literally, literally. So my wife and I, Dinga, are, are happier, more connected. We've gotten really good at ping pong. <laughs> it's like <all laughs> we found our fun things to do. We're, we're having greater intimacy. Uh, we're madly in love with each other. So all of those things are benefits. So one of the things I would say to everybody is something that I learned from a man named Dan Sullivan who teaches the strategic coach program. You probably know him. And this is a year-end thing I'm sharing with everybody. Dan teaches something called the gain and the gap. And, and this is really important to think about because this has been a challenging year. For a lot of people, they didn't reach their goals that they might have set in 2019 or yes. 2020 because so many disruptions occurred. However, there's still been progress. First of all, if you're listening to this, you're still here. You're not one of the people who died. You may have lost a loved one, and that's unfortunate. But the fact is, you're here. You've got a computer. Uh, you've got a phone. You have a house you're living in, more than likely. You know, you wouldn't be able to do this. And so, you know, focus on that. There are a lot of people in the world who don't. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I always remember when I do my gratitude uh, exercise in the morning is that we've all heard that, you know, something like 50% of the world lives on less than $3 a day. That's insane. Wow. You know, just think that's a cup of vente at, the, at Starbucks, right? And the reality too is if you make 100000 a year, which I know I do and you do, mm. you're in the top one-tenth of 1% 1 of earners in the world. Top one-tenth of 1%. So, you know, you're, you're wealthy. Yeah, you're not Elon Musk and you're not, you know, the guy who owns, uh, you know, Starbucks, uh, Howard Schultz and all that. But you're, you're really doing well. And, you know, so, so that's the first part. But then the gain in the gap is so valuable. So imagine three horizontal lines. The bottom one is called where you started January 2020. And you had a current income level, let's say, of, let's say $50,000 a year. And your goal for December 31st, which is coming up, would be 100000 a year. Mm. Well, here it is, December 14th. And it's really clear to you, you're probably going to make about 80000 so now we can focus on the gap between 80,000 and 100, and we can feel like we failed by $20,000. Right. We can focus on the gain from 50 to 80, which is 30,000, and feel good about ourselves. You know, because we made a $30,000 increase over our you know, income last year. So what happens for most people, they focus on the gap between their goal and what they actually achieved, and that, that leads to lower self-esteem, lower motivation, uh, lower, you know, momentum going into the new year. So you always want to focus on the gain, not the gap. And that's where you want your gratitude to be, your excitement to be, and, you know, your, your evaluation to be. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an, an important thing as we move in this sort of transition from now until, you know, next year when we all kind of set our goals, our New Year's resolutions, et cetera, is to realize that we've got a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. A lot to be grateful for. And now, you know, the vaccine, whether you're a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer, it doesn't matter. What's going to happen is a whole bunch of people are going to get vac vaccinated and it's probably going to stop this thing over the next, you know, six to months to a year. And, and hopefully we'll get back to what we'd like to do, go out to dinner and go to movies and sporting events and, you know, watch the Jets win another, lose another game. DLC. What about someone, uh, Jack, who let's say they might be listening to this and go, well, I haven't gained, you know, I haven't gone from 50 to 80. I've gone from 50 to 10. And huh. they're having a hard time. Uh, they're just having a hard time. And maybe they're, 
they're in fear, they feel like giving up, and they feel like they've lost a lot. Yeah. And so how, what guidance can you give that person who well, might be having first, a really difficult first, time focusing? The first thing is you haven't lost anything because you didn't have it. So the first thing is you didn't lose $40,000. Is this $40,000 you never had? You have to really get clear about that. You know, it wasn't yours to start with. So you didn't get to where you wanted to go. You, you still gained $10,000 from where you were, which was zero when you started the year. So focus on that. Secondly, to realize that when you're in fear, when you're in fear, all your energy goes back into the back part of your brain called the amygdala. And it hijacks the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is the front part, is where your creative ideas come from. It's where rational thinking comes from. And it's where your spiritual thoughts enter into your awareness. And so what happens is fear puts you in fight or flight or freeze. And what happens is you can't be creative then. You're just responsive. And you need to do that if there's an actual tiger attacking you or for someone on the street jumping your bones, whatever. But the reality is that's not the place you can be successful from. So as soon as you're in that fear and you start focusing on what you don't have, law of attraction tells us you're going to get more of what you don't have. You get what you focus on and feel strongly about. Fear is a strong emotion. So, And also, here's the other thing about fear, and you know this, that when you are in fear, you're imagining negative things that haven't happened yet. So in the moment, even if you only make $10,000, you are somewhere to be having that thought. You're in a friend's apartment, maybe you're couch surfing, you're in your car, you're not freezing to death on a, you know, in the streets of Minneapolis. And the reality is that you have the capacity to visualize something positive or visualize something negative. Fear is always visualizing something bad in the future you don't want to have happen. Even if there was a rattlesnake in your kitchen right now, which looks like where you are because I see a stone behind you, <laughs> but what happens is that if there was a rattlesnake coming up toward you and you went into fear, you'd have to be imagining the rattlesnake biting you right. in order to go into fear because if it was just a harmless rattlesnake that had no fangs, you wouldn't, be care, you wouldn't care, right? Yeah. So it's going into the future. So we have to use, we have three capacities. We have our thoughts, we have our imagination, which are visual pictures, and we have our actions, which is our physical body, things we do and say with our body. That's mm -hmm. all we have control over. And fear is the result of fantasizing, you know, results you don't want. You know, fantasizing, uh, what do you could say, future imagined, you know, results. Like a negative future fantasy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and so... You know, one pundit said fear means forget everything and run, but I don't think that's really, really that valuable an acronym. But the point is that what you then do when you find yourself in fear, ask yourself, what do I want, not what I don't want? You know, Martin Luther King taught us a valuable lesson. He had a lot to be angry about and a lot to be fearful of. People were burning down his church, trying to put him in jail, calling him a communist, all this stuff. And he said, you know, I have a dream. You know, that all the girls and boys are going to be judged by the quality of their character, not by the color of their skin. Mm. And he, he told all of his followers, focus on the dream, not the current reality. Because as long as you're focus, focusing on the current reality, you're going to be angry. And anger is just dramatized fear. And then you get into, you know, creating more of it. So focus on what you want. And then think strongly about that. Believe it's possible. Visualize it. Affirm it. Believe it's going to happen. And it's hard to do when you have nothing. I get that, mm -hmm. but it's still the reality. And I'll give you an example. One of my favorite stories that uh, I put in my, my success principles book, the book's called The Success Principles. It's called The 41st Girl. Mm -hmm. 
And it was about this girl in Africa, in, the, in, in Kenya, where uh, our friend uh, Cynthia Kersey builds schools. And uh, this girl wanted to be in this school. And, and she had gotten all A's in her in a primary school to get into this middle school that would then hopefully get a high school to go to college. And uh, Susan Mabette was her name. And she was the 41st girl. And they only let 40 kids into the school. Mm. Yeah, she could have felt angry. She could have felt sad. She could have felt defeated. On the day the school opened, she walked for two and a half hours to get to the school from her village. And she showed up and she said to the principal, tell me to my face why I can't be in this school. I don't believe it. I know I'm supposed to be here. And all the kids heard this and they came running over and said, uh, Mrs. Principal, whatever her name was, I don't remember. Uh, you know, she can sit at my desk. I'll share my book with her. She can sleep in bed with me, whatever. And so the teacher was so uh, moved by the kids and this girl's belief that she was going to be in the school that she sent a letter out to all of the funders. I was one of them. We all put up a little extra money to buy an extra bed, an extra desk, an extra textbook, et cetera. And Susan Mabet graduated from that school and is in college now. And she's going to become either a lawyer or a doctor. Why? Because she didn't think she couldn't have what she wanted. She had nothing. She was living in a village. She would have probably been pregnant by the age of 16. And her future would have been not over, but her future wouldn't have been anywhere near what she wanted it to be. And so she took action based on a belief. And as soon as you believe you can't have it, as soon as you're focused on how bad it is, all your energy is on that. It's not on thinking about how I can create what I want. Got it. It's powerful. How, does, how do I determine, let's say for those listening, how do I determine if I'm thinking, okay, vision, create a vision. How do I know what dream or vision I should have? How do I know what dream or vision is even uh, authentic or aligned for me? Especially in 2020 when there's so much uncertainty that right. it's, it's hard to... Do I go for that? Do I go for that? I'm not sure. Maybe everything's going to change. So how does someone really discern the dream or vision that is truly real? Because sometimes what we think we want is not really what we really wanted and yeah. it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't satisfying or fulfilling. Right. Well, a lot of our, our visions come from our ego. They come from like wanting to look cool, wanting to be wealthy, wanting to be powerful, yeah. you know, all that kind of want to be in control. And, you know, I love was um, the guy who wrote The Seven Habits, uh, Stephen Covey. He said, you don't want to get to the top of the ladder and realize the ladders were leading against the wrong wall. Mm. And so you want to make sure you're, you're, you're focusing on your purpose. And, you know, I believe that the, there's two ways to do that. One is to get very, very, very in touch with your essential self through a process like meditation or doing something like the quick coherence process that they teach up at, you know, HeartMath Institute. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, that if you can get into your heart, you know, not into your fear, not into your ego, um, but get into your heart through, there are many forms of meditation. I'm sure you've had people on your podcast talk about meditation. Mm -hmm. You can go to YouTube and just type in meditation. And you'll have all kinds of things you can just close your eyes and go listen to. Um, but what happens is when you're in that state and then you ask yourself, what do I want? Then you're going to get a much better answer, a much clearer answer. That's the first thing. The second thing is to ask yourself, what brings you the greatest joy when you think about it? You know, all the, many of the teachers out there talk about joy as your guidance system. We have an internal GPS, you know, GPS like in our car, the global positioning satellite. I call it your goal producing system. And it's your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is uh, 
programmed to give you whatever you program into it as a result. And so basically um, you get feedback called joy when you're on purpose. Mm -hmm. So uh, the main thing is that I would say this for starters, this would be a kind of a, a precursor exercise, which would be to sit down for 10 or 15 minutes and get quiet, do whatever you do to get centered. And then ask yourself, what have been the most joyful experiences of my life? When have I experienced the most joy? And when I did that the first time, what I got in touch with is whenever I was teaching, I was the head of my youth fellowship in church when I was in high school. I was a captain in the military school that I went to when I was a senior. I was a, I would have been president of my fraternity, but I grew a beard and they didn't want a guy with a beard with a, so I was vice president of my fraternity. Uh, I taught high school. I ran a growth center. I led groups. You know, whenever I was learning something and then teaching it, I was ecstatic. You know, that's just who I am. You know, like right now, I'm I'm in joy as we do this uh, podcast. So that for me then led to my life purpose statement, which is to inspire and empower people to live their highest vision in a context of love and joy. So. Mm -hmm. I inspire with stories like Chicken Soup for the Soul. I empower with books like The Success Principles, The Aladdin Factor, you know, Dare to Win and so forth, and the workshops and the coaching programs we do and all that in a context of love and joy. So one of the, the things that if you want to go deeper with this, in my yeah. book, the Success Principles, chapter two is called Be Clear Why You're Here. And there's an exercise in there. I'll just describe it faster than anyone can do it, but you'll know yeah. it's here if you want to go get it. And we also teach this in our coaching programs. You have to ask yourself, what are two qualities that I most, that most describe me, that are most uniquely me and that I enjoy expressing? Mm. So for me, it's love and joy. You know, I, I love people. I'm very joyful uh, to the point of being irreverent. I have a lot of fun in life. You know, I just have a good time. And so if it's not fun, uh, one of my friends said, uh, she used to have a t-shirt, IF, if I have something like that, and said, if it ain't fun, F it, you know? And so she was an 81-year-old teacher. Um, and so joy is, is critical, so for me. But for someone else, it could be organization and structure. You know, they might be, have a career as an organizational planner or someone who, you know, manages groups or something like that or a supply sergeant in the military, and they're very happy doing that, you know, drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. um, it's not me. Uh, my wife is transparency and authenticity. You know, you know, Inga. And so, you know, she's just out there being herself and her yeah. life purpose is to give other people permission to be their full self by being her full self, you Amazing. know? And so uh, we all have these qualities and, you know, for someone like a, a, a ninja or a martial arts teacher, you know, it might be discipline and rigor, you know? Uh, so you find out what are those two qualities and then you ask yourself, how do you most like to express those qualities? So for me, it's through inspiring people and empowering people. For someone mm. else that might be managing, someone else that might be dancing, singing, performing, someone else that might be writing, uh, you know, working with kids, whatever. And then the last part is to ask yourself, if the world was working perfectly, according to me, what, mm. would, it, what would be happening? So for someone, it might be, well, the world's being ecologically sustainable. They're living ecologically sustainable lifestyles. For someone else, it might be uh, they're taking full responsibility for themselves. For someone else, it might be they're loving each other unconditionally or respecting mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. So now that you have that, you then put it all together. So for me, the world works perfectly when everyone lives their highest vision. When Coot does the thing that brings Coot the greatest sense of aliveness, mm -hmm. 
that that's that serves the world. You've probably heard that quote, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, because what yeah. the world needs are people who have come alive. Because yeah. when you're alive, you're doing that thing that brings you the greatest joy, which means you're, you know, bakers are baking and musicians are making music and people that are mechanics are keeping the planes in the air and the buses on the road and the trains working and people mm -hmm. that are loving to dance are dancing and doing TikTok videos and keeping the rest of us entertained, you know, whatever it might be. So that's my, my vision then becomes with all those parts together, mm. inspiring and empowering people to live their highest vision in the context of love and joy. And whenever I'm doing that, I'm doing that now with you. I'm doing that later today when I'm doing another interview. I'm doing that with my coaching programs when I'm doing that. I'm doing that when I'm writing a book that inspires people or empowers them. I'm doing that with my kids when I'm being a parent with them, you know, mm -hmm. so, so on and so forth. And every time I've ever gone against that mm -hmm. and gotten into something, I just, you know, every once in a while someone puts a deal in front of me. It goes, you can make a lot of money, man, if you get into Bitcoin right now, you know, whatever it might be. And whenever I've done that, either I've lost money or I've ended up being unhappy. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and I'm not saying you couldn't be doing Bitcoin and being doing what I'm doing, but I'm just saying that for, for things I've done that weren't aligned, mm. they all turned out crappy, you know? So if, if there's someone, Jack, who's listening and going, but I get what you're saying, but like, I don't, there's, there's a lot of folks that might say, I love knitting, but I, and it brings me joy but I can't make a living from it. Or oh, I love, you know. How do you know, how do you, know you can't make a living from it? How do you know, you how do you know that you couldn't teach knitting online as something to do at home while you're, while you're sequestered and mm. have people pay you $50 a month to be part of your knitting community? Mm. How do you know that you couldn't knit things and then have people fund them uh, for more than they're worth to send to soldiers in, you know, Afghanistan or something? So you don't know that. You know, there's a woman I know who wanted to be a surfer, couldn't figure out how to make money at surfing, mm. ended up teaching executive women how to surf as a way to teach them how they manage. Because what, how, you know, you've heard this, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And so basically, if you go out, I don't know if you've ever surfed, but if you don't paddle before the wave gets there, if the wave comes over, you don't, you don't catch the wave. So you have to see the trends coming in business and start adjusting to them before they get there. Mm. Uh, if you get too far out on the board, the board tips over because the weight's too far forward. So if you get too far in front of your troops, too far in front of the, 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 the economy, too far in front of the taste, what the market will share, et cetera. So, you know, if you get up too fast, you, you're not balanced. There's a million things you can learn from surfing about how you live your life. Plus these executives pay her $5,000 a week and she gets five of them, 25,000 a week she makes in Hawaii. And they can do it socially distanced because they're all out on surfing. Who doesn't want to do that? Who's, any executive says, well, I can go surfing for a week and learn cool stuff and, and write it off as a tax deduction, right? So don't be so sure you mm. can't make a living doing what you love to do. Not, not, it may be that there are some things like, you know, playing ping pong. I don't know. Maybe you can't. But maybe you could open up a youth center and, and take kids and teach them online. Who knows? But the point being that sometimes we have hobbies. And we also can find things we do that make a living. And sometimes you have to ask, I, I read a book recently. This is probably speaks more to your question. Mm -hmm. And I recommend this book to everybody. It's called Ikigai. Mm -hmm. And Ikigai is a Japanese word, which means life purpose. Yep. And it comes from Okinawa. And the people in Okinawa live in what's called the blue zone, where they're, they're one of the five places on the world where they have the highest percentage of people who live to be over 100 years old. And what they talk about, your Ikigai, 
is the confluence of four different things. What you love to do, what you do well, mm. what the world needs, and what the world's willing to pay for. Mm. So now, if you can find something you love to do that you do well, there's two different things. I love to play the piano, but I don't do it well. <laughs> <laughs> but if I love to play the piano and I did it well, and the world was willing to pay for me playing the piano, because it's something I needed, it was called entertainment or inspiration, then I can make a living playing the piano. So ask yourself, what's something I do love to do that will be of value to the world they're willing to pay for it, that I do it well, and uh, they need it? You know, so what does the world need? So it's a combination of those things. I think when you put all that together, when all those four overlap, there's something in there. You know, like I love to surf the internet and do research. Like I watch two or three TED Talks and TEDx Talks, you know, sometimes every day, some, at least once a week I do that. And I take ideas from that and I use them. Mm. Now I can't get paid for just watching TED Talks, but I can get paid for teaching what I learned. You know, I can mm. get paid for using that advice in my coaching program. Mm. So uh, someone else might do something else that's their hobby. But to me, I, I would sit and watch that all day if I could get paid for it. <laughs> but I have to turn around and, and use it in some way that's useful to others, if that makes any sense. Got it. If someone is in a situation right now, Jack, and they're, you know, they've had a challenging time in 2020, they had a vision, and they're reflecting on it hasn't quite manifested or gone according to plan, how, how does one know when it's time to maybe give up the vision or when it's time to actually persevere with the vision? Is there a discernment yeah. factor that you can guide people with? Yeah. I think, first of all, I think it's an internal conversation you have to have with your higher self, your soul, God, however you want to hold it. Uh, also, there's a wonderful technique uh, that I teach. You may know it. It's called uh, somatic decision-making. And somatic decision-making works like this. You stand up and, and you, you know, you're standing up on your two feet and you ask your body to move in the direction that the answer is yes. So if I'm standing up and I ask my body, you have to do it standing, not sitting, but I'll just talk it, I'll, I'll describe it and people can do it. Um, and so you stand with your eyes closed and you say, body, show me which direction is yes. And for me, my body always, just after a few seconds, it just goes forward. Then I'll say, body, show me what a no is, and then my body will go backwards. Now, most people go forward, yes, backward, no, but not everybody. Some people go forward, no, and backwards, yes. So there's no right answer. It's, it's however your body is calibrated. Because your body doesn't have your ego's needs in the way. Your body just is listening to something to hire. So it's why we get goosebumps when we get a good idea. It's our body giving us feedback, you know. So what happens, then you want to calibrate it by making sure you can trust it. You can say, you only ask it questions that are yes or no. So the, a question would be, am I a man? And if your body goes yes, then you, oh, good, well, that's good, that's right. Uh, is my name Coot? You know, and if it goes forward for you, but back for me, then, then that doesn't. You know, am I 76 years old, which I am? Do I live at this address? Then I could ask it, do I live in Arizona? And if my body goes backwards, that's a good sign because I live in California. So after you get to the point where you feel like you can trust it, then you could say, uh, mm. this vision I have, should I give up on it? Then see what answer you get. This vision I have, should I keep pursuing it? You know, now here's something I would say. 
my experience in life has been almost everything I ever wanted that I really, really wanted that was big took longer to get than my ego or my mind thought it would. Mm. You know, I would set a goal to get this by December 31st and I wouldn't, but I might get it by next June 21st. And so I heard a quote the other day I love. I love these quotes that are so basic. He said, you could water, let's say you have an apple tree and you decide you want to get apples sooner. And so you start putting more and more water on this apple tree and you put sunlight out at night. You know, you have a, a grow lights coming out there and you're pouring more and more water. But guess what? The apple tree doesn't bear fruit until the fruit season comes. And so the idea is we, in our ego, say, okay, I'm going to earn this amount of money, finish that book, get this many people on my social media following by this date. And that's good because it tells our subconscious what to work on. It puts the law of attraction into action, et cetera. So we're going to attract opportunities and resources and so forth. However, we may not get it by December 31st. Mm. Because it's like an apple tree it may not bloom, you know, in June. It doesn't bloom until September. I don't know when apple trees blossom, actually, but you do. Someone does. But there's an there's a season for apples. There's a season for plums. There's a season for corn. There's a season for wheat. And you can't make it grow faster. You know, it, it takes as long as it takes. And so like, you know, babies take nine months, elephants take two, two years, rabbits take 21 days, you know, and if, if at four or five months pregnant, you go, I'm sick of this. I want the baby now. You know, <laughs> it's not going to come. <laughs> it's, it's, I think you might have a, a magic mantra or something. The success principles guy, you know, you might have a magic mantra to go, go manifestation. I am so happy and grateful. My baby is being born now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so you know, let's say, okay, cultivating patience. Uh, what, 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 what? For the person who might feel like giving up, and what can they do within themselves to cultivate the the perseverance, the motivation, to stay motivated in yeah. the midst of the pursuit of their vision? Like, what are some things they can be focusing oh. on? Let's just contextualize that by saying sometimes you are pursuing a vision that's not meant to happen. Yeah. You know, you picked yeah. that up for the wrong reason. Uh, God comes along and says, no, I'm reading a book right now. I, I, I'm putting on a seminar starting tomorrow for 20 people for three days. Again, it's a group of authors. And one of them wrote a book called How to Listen When God's Talking to You. Mm. And it's a really good book. And he's a, he's a minister up in Canada. And he talks about this guy who was in the 1800s who was living in Romania. And no, he was living in Austria. I think he wanted to go to Romania and, and be a missionary. And a war broke out and he, and he didn't get to go to Romania. And he ended up going to England because of a health issue. And he stayed there and they heal, helped heal him. And he started sharing the gospel with them. And what happened was that he became the most powerful minister in the south of England of all time, you know, built orphanages, built churches, uh, you know, uh, converted hundreds of thousands of people. And it was, it was all like, you know, he wasn't supposed to go to Romania. God had something else in store for him. So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you are pursuing something and it makes sense up until a point, but then something else comes in and redirects you. So it, that's why I think it's good to go in and ask again, is this, am I meant to be continuing this or am I meant to give it up? Mm -hmm. I think some most people give up too soon on things they really care about. I mean, that's the bigger issue, but I do think there are times to let go and to release. Um, and so 
how do you keep yourself motivated when you're not succeeding is your question really. Yes. And I think that that requires a number of things. You have to remember what, what's the deeper purpose? Why did I choose to do this in the first place? What's my why? If my why is strong enough, you know, if I've got a child in a bed in a burning house, I will run into that burning house to save that child. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not do it for my cat, but I will do it for my child because that's a big enough why, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the reality is that when the why is big enough, I will withstand anything, including rejection, including, you know, not succeeding. Chicken Soup for the Soul, as you've probably heard a hundred times, was rejected by 144 publishers <laughs> over the course of 18 months. Crazy. And from the time we started to try to sell it. Now, if I'd have given up after 100, you and I would not be having this conversation because I wouldn't be anyone you would have ever met. You wouldn't care about me. So uh, if, if the why is strong enough, if the internal guidance is saying, hey, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I felt that, you know, for me, it was like an obsession at one point. Mm-hmm. So sometimes something takes you over. It's your calling they often talk about. You know, you can't not do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people will say, well, how do you know if you're meant to be a writer? And I say, if you can't not write, how do you know if you're meant to be a dancer? If you can't not dance, you just have to dance. You're a dancer, you know? And so I think that's one piece. The second thing is you need to surround yourself with a supportive community, an accountability partner who will keep you on track and hold you accountable to do the things that are uncomfortable in the face of rejection and the face of failure and setback. And also, have a, a, a group of people, you know, you and I have the Transformational Leadership Council, you have other support groups you belong to, as mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. and we get support. We get people when we're down, they're up, and they lift us up, and when they're down, we lift them up. You know, right now, we've got someone with cancer, and we have these healing circles we're doing for a couple of those people, and and that's how a community works. In fact, in Ikigai, which we talked about in, in, in um, Japan, they have these community groups where people contribute money every month. Mm. So when someone needs something, they have money for it. It's like Mm. an insurance policy. They also use that money to put on community events, you know, and so forth. So that there's a sense of community. They know, we know that whenever you're in community, you live longer, you're happier. Um, Those are two things that are totally researched. You know, you you want to be around positive people that love and support you. Um, and so you, if you don't have that, you have to create it. And that requires asking, you know, mm. and you may have to ask, 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 ask before you get a yes, but you just have to do it. If everything in life was easy, we'd all be thin, rich, and happy. <laughs> and that's not the case. It requires taking <laughs> and, every, and everyone would be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. kept you going, which, I mean, just a side question, but what, what 144 rejections, chicken soup. Most people have given up after 50, 30, 70. Like what right. you said, there was something, an, an obsession, like literally like what was your, what was going through your mind, Jack? What were you thinking what, that kept you going? Cause after a hundred, I may have given up and yet you kept moving. Right. So what was, what was that? I think I, here's what I think. Um, I was using a lot of those stories in my talks, in my seminars, in my workshops, in my trainings. And people would always come up and say that story about the Girl Scout who sold 3000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Uh, is that written up anywhere? My daughter needs to read that. Mm-hmm. Or there's a story about the one-legged guy who climbed Mount Everest. My son needs to see that, you know? And so I just knew these stories were impactful. I would get standing ovations, you know, certain stories called signature stories in the speaking profession. You, know, you open with them, you close with them, and you know they're going to work. And so for me, I had a bunch of those, and I knew they worked. 
And the problem was in publishing the tradition or the knowledge, the, the common, what we want to call it, the, the belief was that short stories didn't sell well, collections of short stories. Mm. And it's true of literary short stories, the kind you read in the New Yorker and, you know, Atlantic Monthly, story, they don't sell well. And so because they're not long enough to engage you in the characters and so forth and so on. But these were inspirational short stories, things that would inspire you, things that gave you goosebumps, things that made you want to call up your mom and say, Mom, I want to read this story to you and make you laugh. And so I knew they were. But the publishing world had no, no record of that. And so they were very, very um, skeptical. And so I just knew and I just knew in my heart of hearts this was supposed to happen. Just like, you know, when you fall in love with someone and they're not loving you back and you just think, I'm, I'm going to win this woman over no matter what. And you just keep trying everything you can because you know you're supposed to get that person to marry you. And so you just do it, you know. So it was kind of like an obsession. I would have self-published. I didn't want to. I really didn't want to be warehousing books and get into distribution and all that. I really wanted to do what I do, which is learn and teach. Uh, fortunately, a little company down in Florida read it. They liked it. And they didn't give us an advance or anything, but they said, we'll publish it. And by then we were saying, hey, fine, <laughs> just, just publish it, you know. Um, but yeah, it was just knowing in my heart of hearts. And I think that's the thing. You know, this is an interesting story too. I don't have, remember the exact details, but the guy that invented the seatbelt, no, the airbag, sorry, the airbag. He invented the little nozzle that allows the airbag when there's impact to actually explode the air that fast to save your life. Wow. And he spent like seven years trying to convince Congress to pass an airbag law. Seven years. Wow. Why? Because he knew it would save lives. Mm. And he knew if it ever happened, if every car in America had this thing in it, he'd become multimillionaire. So he had a big, he had two big wives. When they finally passed that law, seven years later, mm. the first year he made $8 million. So that was a million dollars a year for every year he was working on it. You know, so a lot of times I, and I believe this true, it's true too. I think, I think God, universe, source, energy, however you want to hold that makes it difficult for us sometimes mm. to see how committed we really are. You know, like, you know, like, like I said, if it was easy, we'd all have it. You know, you have to do the work to get there. Even in enlightenment it takes work. It takes commitment. It takes mm -hmm. sitting on a pillow or doing the exercises you have to do, meditation and, and, and spiritual practices to get liberated. Um, and so I, I, I really believe that those obstacles are there for two reasons. One, to make the win worth it in a sense. You know, if you, if, you know, when they give up these trophies for participation, you know, you, you got came in last in soccer, but you got a participation trophy. Yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay giving the kids a certificate or something, but I don't think everyone should get a trophy. There's actually research shows that doesn't work real well. Um, but when you win something that you worked hard for, when you achieve that goal, like mm -hmm. when we sold a million chicken soup books that first year, it was like, I felt good about it because we worked our butt mm -hmm. off to make it happen, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to I cooked dinner. It doesn't give you the same big thrill. Yeah. And the other, the other reason I think it's true is in order to develop strength, in other words, you're, if you go to a, a gym and you lift weights, the more resistance you have and the more you do it, the more stress your muscle has. It gets little tears mm -hmm. in your muscle, makes mm -hmm. your muscle thicker, makes it stronger. So you have to have resistance to build strength. You have to have resistance to build patience. 
You have to have resistance to build courage. You have to build resistance to build perseverance. All of those things are qualities that you want to have. You have to have challenges to your ethics to develop morality. You know, if, 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 if every decision was easy, mm -hmm. I'm watching a show right now called uh, Your Honor, and it's about this judge whose kid uh, does, does a hit and run. Oh. And now the judge basically has to decide, is he going to help his kid not go to jail or is he going to be the judge? Interesting. Interesting. And, 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 and then all these things start to unfold, the negative impacts of his decisions, because wow. he, now he's like making the decision, do I keep my integrity or do I, the love yeah. of my son? Right. Now right. you've got to develop some qualities. It's easy when everything's easy. But you know, when, when you're away from home and there's a beautiful woman coming up to you in a bar and saying, come on, big boy, you're away from home. What are you doing? <laughs> That's when the challenge is, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think that, that, that we're given these challenges to develop strengths, to develop mm. um, qualities, mm. mastery. Yeah. Think of that. Mastery is one of the goals. You know, if you get a, a, a triple black belt in karate, mm. you're pretty good at that point. Mm. And you have to do a lot of things to develop that level of mastery. Mm. So in life, I think we're given the opportunity to master our emotions and master our thoughts, master finance, master relationships, master enrollment. You know, there's a lot of things to become masterful in if you want to be successful. And as I always say, you can take away your car. My house could burn down. My wife could die of a disease. You know, my reputation could be ruined by someone who decides to, you know, cancel culture, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is who I become can never be taken away from me. Mm -hmm. You know, if I've mastered the martial arts, I'm never going to not have that. If I've mastered my mind and I know how to create peace, I know how to handle that. If I've mastered how to create money, I'll do it again, you know. Yeah. So that's that's the, the payoff, not the externals, but the internal growth. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so true. I think when we develop that mastery and we develop the muscle inside of ourselves and we become the person, I, always, I also feel as though we become more uh, ready to, to, to handle the next level of opportunities and manifestation yes. and possibilities as well. Yeah, one of my great teachers always said, handle what's in front of you with perfection and diligence and commitment, and then the next level will, you'll be given, but not until you're ready. If you can't handle this one, Amen. you won't be given the next one. Amen. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of folks too, Jack, are maybe reflecting on the end of the year, looking and sort of reflecting on 2020, reflecting on, 2021 goals, visions, what do I want my 2021 to look like? Can you give us some guidance about setting goals, goal setting, and as people are setting their goals for 2021, sure. what are some keys that we can implement to set sure. clear, effective goals that maybe make it more possible for us to manifest yeah. in 2021? Let's, let's talk about three steps, um, creating a vision, from that vision, creating goals at work. And then what do you have to do to make the goals happen? Awesome. So basically what I ask people to do in my work is to look at seven areas of their life. We look at finance, job and career. We look at relationships. We look at health and fitness. We look at fun and recreation, which I think everyone needs to build into their life. We look at what I call personal, which are includes three things, possessions you want to have, uh, things you want to do, and, and, and growth, like spiritual and emotional growth. How many books do you want to read? How many seminars do you want to take? Do you want to go to a meditation retreat? Things like that. Um, and then the final one is contribution. You know, what kind of contribution do you want to make to the world? Where do you want to have impact? So 
I ask people to look at all those areas of their life and on a scale of one to 10, grade each area, how, how, how fulfilling and how completely happy are you with that area of your life right now? So if you're at a 10 in your relationship, then you don't need to change much. You know, so keep doing what you're doing. But if you look at relationships and you go, yeah, I'm not getting along with my wife. My daughter doesn't speak to me. Um, you know, my mother-in-law, do I want to kill her? You know, whatever. Um, you know, I hate the people I work with. Um, then you're probably out of a two or a one or something. So you go through each of those areas and say, where am I? Then you say, where would I like to be? What would I like to be happening in each of those areas during 2021? When I get to the end of the year, what do I want to experience? Mm. Fulfilling relationships, you know, love, unconditional acceptance from my family, great sex in my marriage, you know, whatever it might be. I want to have this much money, this much debt reduction. I want to have this kind of money in my retirement account. If I'm in the stock market, I'd like this to be happening. If I'm totally broke, how much money would I like to make for a salary or income? You know, whatever it is. And then we look at, you know, each area, just like that, hobbies, travel, you know, in, 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 in fun and recreation and so forth. Once you've taken, and I usually have people set aside half an hour, just really look at each other's areas. Either close your eyes and just think, and this is a time not to worry about the how. Mm -hmm. Don't let the how get in the way. That's where most people mess up. They think, I don't know how I could do that, so I won't let myself want it. Mm -hmm. But don't worry about the how. You know, I met people who didn't know how they were going to do something. And then all of a sudden something fell in their lap. They met somebody, somebody came and asked them to be their business partner. There's a friend of mine down in Florida who's been running these spiritual evolution workshops for people, mm. spirituality. And they're not, he's not making the most amount of money. And one of his clients came to him last year and said, I'm going to start a venture capital fund. Mm. It's going to be half a, half a billion dollars. I want you to I want you to run it with me. I'm going to give you 50 million dollars of asset in there. It's yours to control, and and then and then anything in the fund that we make beyond that, I'm going to split with you 50 50 because you're going to be my uh, chief uh, visionary officer. Now, here's a guy who probably wasn't thinking about having that kind of money in his life next year. Wow! But, because he didn't see how it could possibly happen. Oh. But. I'm telling you, there's amazing hows. You know, I remember once I wanted a, a, a nice car. I was driving an old Honda Civic that was old. And I was visualizing having a great car. And this colleague of mine, uh, who was a trainer, said, I'm going to Sweden for the next year. I want you to take my Audi and drive it for me every day. Because if it just sits, it'll kind of lock up. It's not good for it. And then I'll pick it up again. So I got, a, I got the free use of an Audi for a year. Wow. <laughs> you know, so you never know. So just don't let the how get in the way is what I'm saying. Mm. Now, once you get your vision clear, I want this much money. I want this, you know, I want to be in a relationship or I want, I want to be out of a relationship or, you know, whatever it is. Now we set it as a goal and a goal has to be measurable in time and space. How much by when? Those are the big two. How much mm. by when? So I want to double my income is not a goal because the subconscious doesn't know what that means. Subconscious is very literal. So, mm. I will make $300,000 next year by January 31st, you know, January 1st, 2022. Mm -hmm. I will weigh 185 pounds or less by September 21st, 2021. I will have 500,000 people, uh, Facebook followers on my Facebook page, you know, be very, very specific. I will be living in a 3000 square foot house on Pacific coast highway by such and such a date. So whatever you want, it has to be measurable by a third person. So you would have to be able to show up 
could know that I did it. You have to look at my bank statement, my my tax return, measure the square footage in my house, be able to go on Facebook and see how many followers I have, see how many books I sold, whatever, you know, how many people are on my podcast, whatever. And then once you you want to set a goal for every aspect of your vision. So my vision might have five different things in my relationships. I want to take a one week, um, you know, a reunion with my family in Hawaii next September, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So now that we've got all these measurable goals, then we have to create an affirmation for each goal. And I love the form Bob Proctor teaches for the simple affirmations that works and they're easy to remember. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm now blank. Mm -hmm. So I'm so happy and grateful that I'm now earning $300,000 a year. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm now watch, looking in a storefront of a bookstore with nothing but my book in it. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm walking through LAX seeing my book in the LAX bookstore. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm looking at the, uh, you know, I'm celebrating the uh, 100,000th Facebook fan that just signed up on my website. So you're, you're, you're just, you're, you have an affirmation for every goal. Mm. Now I end up every year with 21 goals, three in each of those seven areas. So I have 21 affirmations. Mm-hmm. Now what you want to do, the practice is every day you want to close your eye. You want to say your affirmation, say one at a time, then close your eyes and visualize what you would see if you were looking out through your eyes at the outer world. You don't want to mm-hmm. see you skiing down the mountain out there. You want to see what you would see inside your eyes if you were skiing down the mountain. You see the tips of your ski poles in your hands. You see the tips of your skis. You see the, you know, the bottom of the mountain coming up, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Hear the sounds you would hear, the sound of the surf coming up against your beachfront property, the sound of your car as you rev it up, the sound of a hundred people applauding you for giving a great seminar, the sound of your wife saying, I'm so happy, honey, you made a hundred thousand dollars a year. We can afford that vacation, you know, whatever. And then you want to feel the feelings you would feel. This is the part that a lot of people leave out. You know, what feelings would you feel if you were already uh, experiencing this? So now we have auditory visual kinesthetic. Hearing it, seeing it, feeling it. Now, here's the cool thing. Let's say we got 10 affirmations because we've got 10 goals. We Maybe we take f- five minutes, 30 seconds to go. We say it, we close our eyes, we visualize it, we open our eyes, we see the next one. We say it. Eventually, you can do it with your eyes closed because you've said it so many times. John Asaraf shared something with me really powerful lately. This is so cool. So cool. So I want everyone listening to this. Imagine you're sitting at lunch. Mm. and you look over and you see Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg having lunch in the same restaurant you're in. And every time you look over at them, because we all do that. You know, I had dinner in, once in a restaurant with Oprah and I kept looking over. That's Oprah, you know. <laughs> uh, it was funny. So anyway, so you're looking over and every time you look at them, they're looking back at you and they look away. So you start to realize you're looking at each other and you're kind of, it's kind of embarrassing, but you can't stop doing it. And eventually they get up and they walk over and they got this big, big binder with them full of paper and they stop at your, your table. They say, you know, you, you probably know us. You've been looking at us. Uh, I'm, I'm Steven Spielberg, <laughs> producer, and this is Tom Hanks, the actor. And we're producing a movie next year that Tom's going to be in and I'm going to be directing. Uh, and we, we just keep looking at you and you have all the mannerisms, the body type, the facial moves, the weight, the hair, everything about you seems like you'd be perfect for this part we want to cast in a movie. Mm. And, and we'd like to make this offer to you. Here's the script. If you take this script and, and agree to memorize it, we'll give you a million dollars up front. One year from now, you have to show up and we're going to make the movie. 
We'll provide you between now and then with acting coaches, voice coaches, dialogue coaches, uh, historical researchers, if you want to research that time in history and the character, anything you want or need, we'll pay for. And once the shooting's over, we will give you an additional $4 million. And we think this part is so powerful and so important to this movie, you could win an Oscar. Wow. What would you do if they made that offer to you? You could, Blackson. Sure. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> exactly. Now, now that they hand you the script and you go home with the script, you got your million dollars. What would you do now? We'll start working on the script. You start memorizing it, right? Start, mem start memorizing for sure. Start memorizing the script. You, in fact, you'd want to become that part so well. So well. That yep. you could just live it. You, you know, you, sure. you know the lines, you know the mannerisms, you've got it down, you know your motivation, you know why you're there. It's like Daniel Day-Lewis, when he was um, playing Lincoln, they said whenever they would break for lunch, he would never leave the character of Lincoln. He wow. was just in it. Wow. Now, all I've asked you to do is what Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg just asked you to do, which is every day to rehearse being the you that wow. you want to be living to rehearse that million dollar part. Because if you could create that vision of your ideal life, your ideal life, you could have anything you want in 2021. And all you had to do was rehearse the part every day, visualize it, affirm it, believe it, feel it, and then do whatever actions occur to you because you're going to start getting inspirations to act. That's how the subconscious works. As soon as you do that inner work, you start to get ideas. You start to get inspirations. You start to get drawn to things. That's how it works. Then it starts to get more effortless. I did a program once called Effortless Success. You have to work, but it feels effortless because you're having too much fun doing it. Mm. You know, it's mm. like, do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger was not having fun when he was making, you know, his movies? He was enjoying it, right? It wasn't sure. was fun. Sure. Yeah. You know? Professional golfers, they're having fun when they're doing it. And I can imagine the more you memorize it, the more you internalize it, the more effortless it becomes uh, over Absolutely. time. Yeah. It becomes you. Yeah. And you're replacing the old image of who you used to be because that's what you normally think about as well. In the past, I was always poor. I never got what I wanted. I, I was afraid to ask for what I want, whatever. But you visualize yourself living that life and then doing the things. This You can add this part. Doing the things you would do if you were living that life. I have an exercise we do in our in our coaching program, in our live seminars, where I have people stand up and I say, now imagine you're a millionaire. And if you're already a millionaire, you're 10 times millionaire. If you want to be a billionaire, whatever it is, whatever is like a 10 or 20 times, you know, whatever. And I want you to mill around for the next 20 minutes and just be that person you would be if you were already a millionaire or a billionaire and interact with people. Just make it up. Mm -hmm. I stop people about 10 minutes into it. I say, okay, how are you feeling? Oh, I feel great. I feel wonderful. How are you being? I'm having fun. What are you doing? Well, I'm talking about all my successes. I'm being really generous. I'm asking people to come down to my, my island, you know, Necker Island, whatever. <laughs> and, and I say, well, did anything really change? No. What changed? Your belief about yourself. The only thing that changed was who you thought you were. Mm -hmm. And you totally acted differently. You, you asked for what you wanted. You weren't embarrassed by people. You went up to people. You introduced yourself. You had high self-esteem. You were, you know, it's just like that. It's called you start acting as if, not yeah. by being a phony, yeah. but by being who you really are. Yeah. You know, the, the fact is that, that we are, our natural beingness is divine in nature, mm. is totally loving, is totally self-confident, needs nothing, wants to serve and give. And basically just wants to have a good time. 
know? And so when you get all rid of all the negative beliefs and the fears and the conditioning and you just be you, life works. Mm-hmm. Becomes effortless. I love it. Yeah. Final couple of questions, Jack. I'm going to be respectful for your time. Um, I know you train coaches and, you know, to me, you're, you're a legend in this industry. You've, you've been speaking for so many years and writing and a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. When you look at 2020, especially for those of us that speakers, teachers, authors, we're on the path, yeah. uh, facilitators, wh- where do you see the personal, indus- uh, personal development industry going ha- in terms of what you see happening now in 2020? Wh- what do you see as the evolution over the next years? How do you see it? What do you, what do you, what do you sense? What do you vision? What do you project? What's your intuition? I think you're going to see two things happening. You're going to see, you, know, you, you probably heard that Tony Robbins ran a workshop for 20,000 people, you know, online uh, with this group called Sage. And um, I think you're going to see more of that. In fact, we've, we've contracted with them to run a seminar, I think in April or May, uh, which will probably have anywhere from 500 to 1,000 people and won't be as big as Tony's, won't have as big a mailing list. Uh, but we're, we'll be doing lots of, you know, affiliate marketing and so forth for that. So that, I think you're going to see more of that happening, not only because of the pandemic and we can't gather in groups. Uh, Fauci just said, Dr. Fauci, it probably won't even be until June or July that average people are going to get the vaccine. It's going to be the frontline medical workers, people in prisons, people in the old age homes, uh, senior citizens, you know, police force and so forth, uh, and then eventually regular folks. And, and that's fine. Uh, and I think we will be back in hotel rooms with conferences and all that probably 2020 two for sure uh, maybe sooner I doubt it uh, but but you're going to see a lot more online stuff and people are learning how to do it like our biggest challenge was how do you break people into pairs if you have more than 500 people you can't do that on zoom you know you can break them into smaller groups but not pairs so we're, I think more technology is being developed that's going to make it easier to do that kind of work and you're going to see more of that big names doing big events you're also going to see more coaches and there are there are so many programs now teaching coaches to coach and teaching them how to market online. Um, and I think that's good because you can go to a Tony Robbins workshop or a Jack Canfield workshop or any of you know, Lisa Nichols, whatever, and you're gonna see you know, some major transformational aha moments, but it's that ongoing coaching, you know, week after week after week that holds you accountable, that helps you deal with the blocks that come up that are unconscious, that surface the limiting beliefs, the fears, the, the stuck places, because most of our limiting beliefs, we're not even aware we have them. That's the yeah. problem, limiting yeah. beliefs. So as they start to emerge, when you find yourself afraid to take a step, or, you know, needing to stretch, not not doing it, how do, you know, need to get unstuck, et cetera. But I think you're going to see a lot more of that happening. And both in small group coaching and in, in you know, like eight, 10 people at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're doing a lot of that right now. We're finding it works really well because... Uh, where one person's stuck, someone else will go, and that person gets unstuck because they're watching that person get unstuck. Mm-hmm. But it's different than 100 people. It's like eight, 10 people. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot more of that and a lot more one-on-one work, which is needed. You know, it's, it's kind of like trickling down to the masses, if you will. Yeah. And more and more of those people are enrolling people who normally wouldn't get involved in this, but they're their mm-hmm. neighbors, they're their friends, they're people they go to church with. So it's mm-hmm. this trickle-down effect that's happening. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to see a lot more apps Mm-hmm. And um, that are doing, like if you look at tapping, which is one of the most powerful techniques we have now to get rid of fear, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Nick Ordner uh, and his sister develop a tapping app. 
I have it in my phone. And and literally someone was having a panic attack on a plane and this one of their clients had the app and went over to the person and said, here, do what's on this app right now. And the person's panic attack got tapped away. Wow. So I think you're going to see a lot more of those kinds of apps, both for physical fitness and for coaching and for success training and meditation. There's There's a lot of things like Calm and different kind of apps like that now for meditation that are really, really effective with binaural beats and things like that. Mm-hmm. Much more technology is coming along. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have avatars. This is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's out there, not next year, but you're going to have avatars that have been programmed by studying people like Tony and me and you and others who will, they'll, they'll get the best coaching interventions they can find. They'll put that on a computer. The computer wow. never gets upset with you, never gets impatient with you. And depending on your answer, it will branch to the next right question. Wow. And, and they'll actually put a face to it. So you'll feel wow. like you're talking to a real person and you'll be doing online coaching with a computer. Wow. Um, so that's, that's coming for sure. So, however, you know, one-on-one human contact and being yeah. validated and informed by people is gonna, that's never going to go away. I see that. And I, and I think to uh, community, community is the big issue right now. Mm-hmm. We've had to force ourselves to join online communities because we need them. We need to be connected mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone that's creating communities as opposed to just events, mm-hmm. those are building, you know, where there's like people are coming together on a regular basis, uh, getting regular input, whether it's a newsletter or you know, podcast, whatever, but, but they feel like they're part of a community and they're interacting with each other, whether it's on Facebook or uh, there's another program called MeWe, which is an alternative to Facebook. Um, there's a lot of things out there like that. I think that's the other thing people are looking for. And accountability is the other, I would say the last thing. There are people actually starting companies where they have coaches that just call you up <laughs> no. Basically, you know, at the same time every day and say, what were your five action steps yesterday? Did you do them? I don't want to hear the excuse for that one. Are you willing to recommit to it today? What are your five action steps you're committed to today? Boom, hang up. And there are people actually running companies now just with uh, wow. accountable. Yeah. Wow. Accountability companies. That's 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 yeah, there, there are there are companies in the medical profession that literally doctors are paying to hold their clients accountable to actually take their meds every day. And one of the biggest problems in medicine is people get their prescriptions and they don't take them. Wow. So accountability is huge. Wow. Wow. Jake, this has been a, a really enlightening conversation. Final question, just to wrap things up. If you look at 2020 and reflect on this year, probably wasn't a year most of us were, going, were, were expecting or anticipating when we started out 2020, you know, for many of us were like, Ooh, and then it went, Ooh, and you know, it's been up and down. Uh, what, what would you say are the three most important lessons, valuable lessons that you feel you've learned this year that you could share with those of us listening in? Don't resist what is. Mm. You know, you first have to accept this is the way it is. I think a lot of people went into hiding thing that was going to go away after a month or two and didn't do anything. They didn't pivot. They didn't change. Yeah. You know? And I think you have to be constantly adapting mm-hmm. uh, to whatever is. And, and I would say the other, another big lesson I learned was we immediately started reaching out to people. What are you doing? What are you doing? How are you handling it? What are you doing? Uh, there's a guy named Pete Vargas who uh, put on a bunch of seminars and webinars. I participated in them uh, to just help people get over their fear mm-hmm. in the beginning and learn. And we gave examples of people who are pivoting their businesses, both on people like us, but also guys selling patio furniture. 
you know, like literally pivoting a business to saying, you know, literally, we'll just get on the phone with you. You can show us your patio. Uh, we can actually see it. We'll get measurements. You're going to wow. be, you're not, you're not taking a vacation this summer. Wow. So if you're not taking a vacation, where are you going to spend your time? At home. Wouldn't you like to have your barbecue in the backyard working? Wouldn't you like to have nice patio mm -hmm. furniture? They made more money than they made normally wow. selling patio furniture when people couldn't come into their showroom because they were going online. We all know the physical therapists and trainers that started doing, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching with Zoom. My wife did mm -hmm. Pilates, a Pilates instructor and so forth. Um, but, you know, a lot of people pivoted really quickly. One restaurant I know, as soon as he heard it was going to be locked down, he ordered a thousand takeout boxes, called up all his customers and says, we'll be delivering at curbside, six o'clock, 6.30 and seven, price fix, one menu, either take it or leave it. We'll do wine pairings. And he served 70 meals at night as opposed to 46 he was serving when he was open. Wow. wow. You know, so what I'm saying is if you acknowledge what is and don't resist it and don't get upset about it and say, what's the opportunity that this is? You know, Napoleon Hill said every adversity contains within it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. So for me, just one thing I learned was we can still do keynote experiences online. So mm -hmm. Bacardi, the rum people hired me to come to Bermuda. I couldn't go because of the lockdown. So instead of talking to 400 managers, I got to talk to all 4,000 employees because they were all sequestered at home. I reached 4,400 people, sold a lot more books, and got my full fee of $30,000 without having to leave home, which would have cost me three days of travel. Wow. So, but you know, it's like I had to convince them to do that. But the point is, it was an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, start with the assumption that better is possible. Mm -hmm. Most people start with the assumption that it's going to be bad, I'm going to lose, I have to cut back. And, um, you know, keep coming from a place. Don't be stupid. You know, we cut back our expenditures. Um, you know, we told everyone budgetary, let's, let's be, we brought in a lot less money this year. We're, we'll net a, a million dollars less than last year, mm. but our expenses were down by 900,000 because mm. we didn't travel anywhere. We didn't have to rent mm. hotel rooms with my staff and we're doing live mm. training. So, mm. so we'll make, we'll make a little bit less money than last year. You know, but our net, our net is not that different, mm. but we pivoted. I would say the last thing I would say I learned this year is the importance of friends, the ability to reach out and ask people for advice or friendship, to stay in touch with people. Like my sister is sheltered at home and she's got, you know, what they call it, a, a condition, you know, that, that makes her a higher risk. Mm -hmm. and just reaching out to her. You know, mm. making sure we're reaching out to the people that, that care and, and coming from service, asking yeah. how can we serve? What yeah. can I do? There's some kids in my town, Santa Barbara, who started a company. It was started as a free service called Zo uh, Boomers for Zoomers. Zoomers for Boomers. So, so we're the baby boomers, my age, people in their 70s, can't go out and shop because they're afraid of getting COVID. And so these high school kids said, uh, you know, we've got our cars. We can Zoom around. <laughs> you know, we'll pick up your groceries for you That's and these great. people were tipping them so they were making a little money they were doing it they were doing it just to be a service it was so successful they started it as a business they now have it in five cities but it started wow. out because they wanted to serve yeah. you know it's like it's like uber eats and, and you know that kind of thing where it's a service but then the service became a business amazing i love that question how can i serve I mean, I think in times like these, it's easy to go into fear, contract and focus on oneself. But when we serve, I think we expand and we also open ourselves to, yeah. you know, divine opportunities and blessings. And so, yeah. Jack, that's it's amazing. 
it's amazing. You know, this has been a powerful conversation. I just want to thank you for your love, your generosity, your heart. I love learning from you. I love just any opportunity to be with you. Look, I want everyone who's listening in, folks, uh, I'm sure you've taken lots of notes like I have. I have pages and pages of notes. I want everyone that's listening in to uh, just receive the blessing and benefit of this incredible man, Jack Canfield. Jack, I know you have, was it a, uh, a webinar coming up on, on visioning? I mean, could you just share? Yeah, yeah, we have, a, we have a webinar. We've, we talked about it briefly, but I have a, a 90 minute webinar that's right. Where I take people through this really deep visioning process for 2021. Awesome. And um, and also at the end of that, we talk about our coaching club we have. If anyone wants to really take it and go deep with it. And we talked about the idea of having accountability, having a community to support you and all that kind of stuff. But the webinar is free. And it's uh, we, we the first time we did it, we're, do, we're doing it several times over the next uh, month. The first time we did it, we had 15,000 people sign up for it. Wow. Uh, 5,000 people actually showed up and we got like a thousand emails saying life-changing. Thank you. Can't believe it. I never knew this stuff. Why do we learn this in school? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, that's my gift to the world. You know, yes, how I can be a service. Uh, and the other thing could, and, we'll, too, and we'll, we'll put that in the show notes too, everyone, everyone listening in, we're going to put Jack's uh, link in yeah. the show notes, check the show notes and definitely go uh, to the webinar. You were saying, if that. you go to that webinar, what'll happen, you'll register for it, which means we'll have captured your email address and we will be sending you sometime in January as well, an invitation. I do a free hour long webinar where I do this belief change process, where I help people awesome. identify a limiting belief that they don't even know they have. It's keeping them stuck. Mm. And so they can identify it, release it, replace it, and then b basically uh, no longer be stuck in that Unstuck. area of life. Unstuck yourself. <laughs> Unstuck yourself. Folks, do yourselves a favor as we go into the, the new year. It's a great way to uh, end the year 2020 and begin 2021 strong. We will put uh, Jack's link for the free 90-minute webinar in the show notes. Go there right now. Register. Trust me. You will thank me for it. Jack, you're amazing. I miss giving you a hug in person, but just not giving you a virtual hug. Everybody, I told you this was going to be a powerful episode. Send me an email, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. Uh, I'd love to know your key takeaways from today's episode. Share today's episode with everyone you know and register for Jack's free 90-minute visioning webinar. Love you lots, everyone. Big hugs. And I'll catch you in the next episode of Soul Talk. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.